Hey listeners, we have a very rare opening for an associate sound designer mixer here at DeFacto Sound. That's my sound design studio and the studio behind 20,000 Hertz. To learn more, visit jobs.defactosound.com. This application window closes on May 22nd. Now, onto the show. Hey, listen! You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. The stories behind the world's most recognizable and interesting sounds. I'm Dallas Taylor. (laughs) This is the story of how video game sound designers create new worlds, tell stories, and bring imaginary characters to life. I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. As the first generations raised with video games, a lot of us Gen Xers and Millennials continue to play as adults. In fact, more people than ever are playing, even if they don't consider themselves a gamer. With the rise of mobile and social gaming, last year, the industry took in over $30 billion in the United States alone. That's more than movies and music. Combined. Games are often defined by their visuals. Back in the 80s, it was all some commercials could talk about. Did you see the latest Nintendo newsletter? Whoa, nice graphics. I'd like to get my hands on that game. So if games are such a visual-focused medium, why is sound important? Sound in games really comes down to communicating a sense of place and a sense of emotion. That's Damien Kaspauer, a leading technical sound designer. It is an unseen art As someone who plays games, I know when it's not right, and I understand how that can blow the whole mood. Sound is about engagement and communicating this game's intention. In other words, sound in games is all about immersion. The right sounds are critical for the player in order to authentically slip into a game's story and become the character they control. Consider what Mario's cultural impact would be if instead of this... sounded like this. Giving sound designers and composers the appropriate time, resources, and direction can take a game from passable to iconic. Fast forward 30 years to where we are today. It's unbelievable the level of engagement sound brings to games. Take, for example, Bethesda Softworks' smash hit Fallout 4. Even if you're not a gamer, you can appreciate the level of detail that goes into the sound. Let's deconstruct the soundtrack and explain these audio layers. First up, the ambience, which are sometimes called the backgrounds. Ambience can be anything that ties the player to the location. These are typically sounds like rain, wind, forest rustling, room tone, or anything that establishes the environment. Another layer is foley. These are sounds that come from the character's body, hands, feet, and clothing movement. Hard effects, like machines, sirens, explosions, and other objects not attached to the character make up another layer.
And those are all just in the sound effects layer. You also have the voice layer. Thank you for choosing Voltec. As I live and breathe, it's really you. Codsworth? You're still here. But of course I'm still here. This can be anything from narration, to character dialogue, to comms and radios. And finally, the music layer. The music layer alone might have multiple sub-layers, like drums, high-pitched instruments, low-pitched instruments, and strings. In this respect, the audio layers in games are a lot like the audio layers in movies. However, with games, everything is variable based off of the player. So instead of mixing all of the sounds together into a single soundtrack like what would be done in a movie, you have to program thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of individual sounds that all have to work together in real time. Well, in a movie, as the person stepped across the room, you would place a footstep sound at each location in time. And you would know every time that that scene played back that the footstep would always be in the same place. Because as a viewer, you don't have control over how fast that character is walking. Games have an infinite possibility of playback. One time you could walk over to the kitchen, pick up a cup of coffee, take a drink, and step out the back door and hear the crickets chirping in the distance. Another time in the same game, you could instead choose to sit down in the chair and listen to the rumble of the refrigerator. In order to achieve these infinite possibilities in playback, every game is built on top of what is called an engine. This engine is the software skeleton that controls the physics and mechanics of the game. Sound designers load in all of the sound effects, voice, and music into this engine. Then they have to fine-tune the programming parameters so that all of these sounds can smoothly play back together at any time and at any place in the game. Yeah, it's a lot of math. Every sound in a space has to reflect reality as closely as possible, where it's at, what it's next to, how loud it is. These are all things that very simply add up to communicate a sense of reality for the player. But how do those sounds get made? What's the process for creating sounds that are intended to sound real, like the sound of a car in Need for Speed? and imaginary, like Pikachu in Super Smash Brothers. Pikachu! And who gets to make these sound effects? I feel most comfortable whenever I'm creating worlds, whether that be a realistic sound designer completely stylized, as long as it's all rooted in that game's reality. That's Zachary Quarles. He's an audio director and sound designer for Microsoft Game Studios. Zach has a ton of experience in making sounds for games. He currently works on Killer Instinct, Microsoft's big fighting game. But in the past, he's made sounds for Quake 4, X-Men Legends, Mind if I cut in, and ReCore. Go on, Mac. It's over there. 
For Zach, and for sound designers everywhere, adding sound effects to a game is more than simply finding the most realistic sound and plugging it in. It's about crafting the right effect that gets the player invested in the story and the moment, that makes them feel something, even if that something is super gross. Take this scene from another game Zach worked on called D4. One of the sequences in D4 had to do with two characters eating different meals together, and the meals are really weird. So, like, there's a guy that, like, has a stack of pieces of pizza that he just kind of smashes together and and just kind of piles them into his mouth. A guy rips open a, a lobster shell and slucks out all of the meat. I was taking stuff like crab shells and ripping those apart, dumping cream of mushroom soup on top of that. I had a glass, like just a drinking glass filled with raw chicken, and I was just punching inside of the glass, just making slucking, gross, splattery sounds. And it was all for these meals that these characters were eating. You don't like my cooking? Oh, don't get all sensitive. The Foley room, when I recorded all of that stuff, smelled so bad. We started to have people just show up in the engineering room as I was recording all this, and they're all holding their nose and just like shaking their head and cursing my name. There was a moment I was surrounded by crab shell that was absolutely reeking with a bucket of cream of mushroom soup with my hand and a glass covered in raw chicken. I was like, I love my job. And if you think Zach's job sounds like fun, wait till you hear what else he does. I'm actually several voices in Killer Instinct. Not only does Zach make sound effects, but he's also a voice actor and director. It's up to him to bring the characters of a game to life, sometimes with a little help from man's best friend. Idol, who is this big ogre creature who who has a head that's kind of split in half, and each head is a different personality. All the voice for him is designed by me. It's my voice mixed with my dog's growls. Idol's kind of thing is, I serve no one. I would take that recording and morph it with my dog's growls and a couple of other things to give it a lot more body, a lot more presence. And this is what it sounds like. When it comes to voices, it's about making every character come to life. When Zach created Idol's voice, he was thinking about more than just making a monster with a split head who is scary. Before I really get started, I like to see how the player moves and how the player carries their weight so I can get a sense of scale and sense of kind of distribution of energy throughout where they hold their energy and everything. So Idol was hunched over being held together by dark magic so he wasn't very solid in terms of vocal cord structure. That's how sound effects and voices come together to immerse a player in a world and give them a sense of the characters. But what about music? How do games like Skyrim, that have over 200 hours of content, keep their music exciting and fresh? And also, can a video game's sound be so precise that people who are blind can play them? We'll get to that after the break. 
When I think about hiring, it just seems like it's more work, more stress, and more pressure. But here's how Indeed takes away all that worry. Indeed is the world's number one matching and hiring platform with over 350 million visitors every month. Indeed cuts out the work of hiring with smart AI technology that helps you find the right candidate quickly. It takes the stress out of the process with scheduling, screening, and messaging all in one place. So you know exactly what you're up to in the hiring process because Indeed keeps track of everything for you. Then Indeed relieves the pressure of choosing the right person. That's because their skill tests give you the confidence that you've got the right candidate. So now when you think of hiring, don't think of all those negatives. Just think of Indeed. To try Indeed for yourself with a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility, visit Indeed.com slash Hertz. Just go to Indeed.com slash Hertz right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Hertz. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NetSuite has simple solutions for complicated business problems. For example, let's say you open a bakery. Before long, your hotcakes are selling like, well, hotcakes. But you keep running out of ingredients. No problem, because not only can NetSuite automate your purchasing so you're never out of stock, but it can also check that your staff have the right training to make those hotcakes to perfection. NetSuite can even handle online orders so your hotcakes can really take off. Having one system handling all of this saves both time and money. And if there's two things we all want more of, it's time and money. Okay, so three things if you include hotcakes. That's probably why more than 37,000 businesses have already signed up for NetSuite by Oracle. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com 20k now to take advantage of this offer. That's netsuite.com 20k. NetSuite.com slash 20K. We've heard how sound effects and voice come together in a game. But what about music? Video games have come a long way since the catchy tunes of Mega Man. We now have unbelievable orchestral scores like those found in Blizzard's Overwatch. Now that games have the ability to play back the highest level of orchestral recordings, the challenge becomes, how do we keep that music fresh? Listening to a song over and over again becomes annoying over time. So how do game composers keep their music from becoming noticeably repetitive? Here's Damien again. Music in modern games has gained a complexity because of how variable the player's interaction can be. Music is composed in elements or little chunks or tiny little pieces or layers that the game then controls the sequence of or the playback of based on what's happening. Let's listen to the amazing score from The Elder Scrolls V to hear how this works. You almost end up with a tiny little composer in the box who is telling the violins to start when the hero walks through the doorway. Or a tiny little composer that signals the trumpet fanfare as soon as the dragon bursts out of the cave. (laughs) 
Music for movies or albums can be written with full freedom, because every time it plays back in the future, it'll be exactly the same. However, music for games have to be written in little pieces, modularly, and all of those little modules have to be able to work together. The most basic modular form of writing game music would be to create a music start, a loopable main theme, and an ending. Games that are longer and more complex might have 30 or 40 modules split up by themes and instrumentation. This is essentially how a 10-minute piece of linear music can transform into a two-hour symphony during a gameplay session. It's this tiny virtual composer then that creates this musical soundscape out of these components and pieces of music that have been created for the game and really scores the experience for the player based on what's happening at the time. As a composer, you want to make sure that the music you're writing doesn't get old, doesn't get boring. You want to appropriately score that experience for the player, no matter how long it takes them to get through the forest. And then when they get to that dragon, signal that in a way that brings the dramatic element to the experience. So music creates the atmosphere, sound effects create the world, voices create the characters, and together all three bring emotion to the video game story. Though it's often overlooked in favor of graphics, sound is a key component to any game, and has been since they first hit the scene. And for some players, sound is the only component. Here's Zach again. Killer Instinct is a game that is as much as it can be a controlled environment. It's not like an open world game that you, you're running anywhere and everywhere. You're kind of on a 2D plane with two people fighting each other. A blind gamer by the name of Sightless Combat sent me a message on Twitter and was like, hey, I just wanted to let you know that me and several of the blind gamers that we play with, we really love Killer Instinct. It really gives us an understanding of what's going on on screen at any given time without seeing it but we have some feedback for you. Zach read their feedback and put it in Killer Instinct's next update. A lot of it was mixed changes of, we need to be able to hear the players after they jump when they land a lot more cleanly. And I was like, okay, that's, that's something that's pretty easy to fix. When a new release would happen, I'd send him notes of things that I fixed or tried to fix and needed some feedback from him and, and his crew. And he would play through it, and he would shoot me some feedback, shoot me some additional feedback for the new character or for anything else that they came across. So what they usually do is turn off music, and they just have sound design playing. And so they can tell where they are in the play space at any given time. And then it was stuff like, I feel like the looping sound on this projectile gets cut off too quickly. I can't tell where it is in the play space. It's like, okay, I will, I will take a look at that. So we get very, very minute with it. And it's been really, really cool being able to just kind of pick my own work apart and strip it down to brass tacks as much as I possibly can to say, okay, what's really important here? The rest of the stuff is color and it's awesome, but it's not nearly as important as these things. So I start bucketing things into accessibility versus flavor. I always make sure that accessibility bucket is very, very laser sharp. 
in terms of player feedback and content. Games are still continuing to evolve. In only a few decades, sound design has become so advanced that there's a community of sightless gamers who can share in the experience. Sound's ability to draw everyone into a playable story is only going to increase. What's in store for the future of sound in games? How will sound be used to suspend disbelief in virtual reality? And what sounds will kids now associate with their childhood? For me, back in the 80s, it was the sound of Zelda. Metroid. And that super annoying smug dog and duck hunt. For kids today, maybe the sound of a catapulting bird and angry birds. Or the sound of Minecraft. Will be what triggers their nostalgia. No matter what it is, we can be certain that sound will continue to tap into the deepest parts of our emotions. Twenty Thousand Hertz is produced out of the studios of DeFacto Sound a sound design team that supports ad agencies, filmmakers, and video game developers. Check out recent work at defactosound.com. This episode was written and produced by James Intracasso. And me, Dallas Taylor. With help from Sam Sneebly. It was edited, sound designed, and mixed by Nick Spradlin. Thanks to our guests Damian Kaspauer and Zachary Quarles for sharing their stories about how they use sound to build worlds. We couldn't have crafted this episode without them. All of the music in this episode is provided by our friends at Musicbed. You can listen to these tracks, including this one, Through Clouds, by Stephen Guthines, on our exclusive playlist, which you can find at music.20k.org. You can say hello, submit a show idea, or give general feedback through Facebook, Twitter, or over email. Our email address is hi at 20k.org. The most important thing you can do for us is recommend the show to a friend. Say it in person, send a text, or shout us out on social media. Word of mouth is critical for our podcast survival. As always, thanks for listening. <laughs>